we did a virtual field trip day one day and we had them going all kinds of places. And I, and I asked them, you know, if you could go anywhere, where would you go? It was amazing the number of kids that said, you know what, I just want to go to school. Uh, hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Abstract, the podcast of the Metropolitan Educational Research Consortium in the School of Education at Virginia Commonwealth University, where we explore issues and ideas in public PK-12 education. Today, we are speaking with school counselors throughout Metropolitan Richmond about remotely meeting the social, emotional, and mental health needs of students during COVID-19. With me virtually today are Matt Schenker, counselor at Elmont Elementary School in Hanover County Public Schools. Carmen Ward, Director of Counseling at Armstrong High School in Richmond Public Schools, Ashton Guza, Counselor at Goochland High School in Goochland County Public Schools, and Tammy Mizell, Counseling Director at Cuyacuson Middle School in Henrico County Public Schools. My name is David Naff. I'm the Assistant Director of Research and Evaluation for Merck and the host of this podcast. Um, I should also mention that I'm formerly a high school counselor, so I am particularly excited about our conversation today and that we've been having a lot of conversations with folks in our school divisions lately about how addressing the mental health needs of students and staff is really at the top of the mind, kind of across our region about like, what is it that our students really need right now? and What are they going to need when we come back to school? Um, and there's not a lot of research really out there to support what the decision making should be about this right now, because this is such an unprecedented time that we're going Going through. So we're all going to end this together and I'm looking forward to our conversation to help process some of this. So this is a question for everyone. Just to start us off, talk about what the last couple of months have been like for you. It's been the most different time I've ever experienced in my 24 years as a middle school counselor. Mm -hmm. um, having to adjust quickly, we use the word pivot a lot mm -hmm. because um, things just keep changing almost on a daily basis um, as information comes out and we all try to kind of navigate through this really strange time, but we're trying to make things seem as normal as possible to kids to try to help them um, get through a really abnormal time. But it's, it's been very challenging. When you say the word pivot, it makes me think of that clip from Friends with Ross and the sofa. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> we reference that a lot as well. Um, that's funny. It's been very strange not seeing the kids. I didn't realize how much I would miss them hmm. and how much I would sort of value the time that I get to see them through Google Meets or video chats, even just following them through my work Instagram or seeing their posts on Twitter. It's really been exciting if they post on Schoology. <laughs> it's me and my cat yeah. here most of the time. So <laughs> that's a big part of my social interaction these days. And I just miss those little, little munchkins at school. It has definitely been a period of adjustment. Um, normally, in the school environment, we have a lot of hands-on with our students on a daily basis, even during the weekend. So when we went into this pandemic, many of our students just continued what they were already doing with us, which was calling us on a daily basis. Uh, they have our email addresses, and they stayed in contact with us. So while we transitioned from school to the pandemic, arena, we still had a lot of communication and lines of communication open with our students. And, and that's a little different than what happened for us originally. I think I echo a lot of y'all's statements of pivoting as things arise and 
constantly adapting to see how we can help because that's just who we are as counselors, just trying to figure out how we can help and how we can connect with our students and families. And that's where the real challenge was for me and for my school as this first came up, you know, it was, it was really scary back in March. And then there was all these questions. And the first immediate question was, how do we support students and families through this? And that led to all kinds of other questions. And for us, uh, we have a large percentage of our students and families who don't have access to internet, who food and resources are already scarce. And so this pandemic immediately, just in the first couple of weeks, really made a difference in their day-to-day life. And so the first few weeks were really me scrambling to help connect all of those needs. And I've noticed, you know, the, the pace of kind of scrambling and pivoting has changed a little bit, but mostly the past couple months has been me just trying to connect with our families and keep myself available and kind of look around for different ways to be useful. Now I know for RPS, when the pandemic started, RPS quickly went into the mode of making sure our students were being fed. So we had the feeding stations set up. So students didn't really feel a break in being able to get their meals. That was quickly put in place for them. And then once we got that taken care of, we transitioned right into giving students Chromebooks. Uh, We had stations set up throughout the district, throughout the city, where students could report and get a Chromebook with hotspots. Hmm. So we definitely went immediately right into um, taking care of our students because that's what we do daily, all the time with our students. And I want to commend Hanover for that too. We also jumped very quickly to meeting kids' needs for food. And it was really kind of incredible to see cafeteria staff and school board and teachers all across the county really jumping to make sure we were connecting kids to food. And we even have teachers who are delivering food to students on a nearly daily basis still. Is that similar to what's going on in Henrico? Yes, in Henrico, we started right away with few distribution centers. In fact, my school is one of those centers. Um, And then they eventually continue to add more schools that served as places where kids could come and get breakfast and lunches every day. We've had a lot of donations throughout the county and lots of people working on making sure that kids and families in the most need are getting them. We've had churches in the area organizing food drives and, and delivering food. And then as far as the internet situation goes, I mean, we have a one-to-one laptop situation with all of our secondary students, which is wonderful, but not all of our families have internet connections at home. So we also have been offering hotspots all over the county. And then recently they handed out Chromebooks for elementary families that didn't have a computer at home. So they've been doing that for the last few weeks which has been nice to kind of connect our elementary students as much as they can to keep people kind of communicating. So yeah, it's been a a huge effort in Henrico as well. And Ashton Goochland is a one-to-one county too, right? We are a one-to-one county. So all of our students have Apple laptops and it was a very similar experience for us. I remember earlier the week that we closed or the week before we closed, there was kind of talk amongst our colleagues thinking, okay, this isn't going to happen. Maybe we'll have a day being closed because we're such a small community. We're one high school community. Maybe there'll be a day that we're closed for some deep cleaning. And then that Friday afternoon, it all kind of popped up. And Mm -hmm. so the immediate response again was how do we feed our kids? You know, schools are so much a part of a community anyways, but being a one high school community with 
one middle school and only three elementaries were fairly kind of intimately involved in that community. Mm -hmm. So it was very much, how are we feeding kids? Where are we feeding kids? And then, oh, how are we going to teach them um, (laughs) for the next two weeks? And then about a week later or a few days later, it was, how are we going to teach them for the rest of the school year? Mm. And also the internet issue. I mean, for us, it's just a, it's an issue largely related to location and not kind of economic status. We have families that, you know, have access to a lot of other priority needs, but just are in such a rural place that there isn't internet. I didn't know that was a thing before Goochland. I thought, you know, you had internet on the moon, but (laughs) in Goochland where you don't have internet. And then there's also the kids who maybe do have internet, but it's, through a hotspot or through a wireless carrier. So there's no unlimited data. So we fairly quickly released to our school that, or to our community that all the schools were going to extend the Wi-Fi that's provided at school into the parking lots. No one wants to suggest, hey, go sit in the parking lot all spring and do your homework, but at least it gave them the opportunity to go and download some of the materials that they needed to get home. We also offered packet pickups. So all of our teachers were, you know, limited to a number of pages, but they reduced or put the content double-sided on all of the pages and printed them out. And we were able to schedule pickups as well as mail those packets Mm -hmm. to our families that needed them. Right. It seems like um, this rapid transition to online learning during COVID, so much of it was about meeting the academic needs of students, but also just their kind of like their basic needs, including making sure that families are actually eating during that time. And I I would argue that meeting students' mental health needs is also a basic need. So I'm glad we're having this conversation today. Tammy, let's start us off with this part of the conversation. How would you describe the role of a school counselor and how has that changed recently? You know, I've always felt that our primary role is to be advocates for students, and that has not changed. (laughs) Um, Certainly the ways that we advocate for students have probably changed a bit um, through this experience, but, you know, we're there to to make sure we're looking out for their well-being, we're there to support them through academic achievement, through career explorations, planning, all of those things, but also in developing this key social-emotional learning skills, and those things are so prevalent right now. In middle school, you know, we do a lot of group support with students and we do a lot. We're very hands-on with our kids. So yeah, it's not being able to interact with them, you know, one-on-one or in a group setting face-to-face has been very different. But you know, we we provide a lot of tier one supports for kids. You know, we we are all about serving all of our community and providing all kinds of skills and resources and whatnot. So we've just had to shift all of that to an online platform. Which presents some challenges. I mean, we have had to learn a lot of things that we didn't know that we would need to know how to do as we've shifted in that online. We're lucky to have a platform that allows us to provide materials and to message with students and to interact with them. We're very fortunate to do that so we can still stay connected. But, you know, it's really up to the kids as to whether or not they're going to engage in those things. And, um, 
You know, and a lot of them do. I would say that in a lot of our role has also been just making sure that equity is there and making sure that access is there for our families that don't necessarily have everything that other families do. So we've been doing a lot of that behind the scenes, reaching out with families, just making sure they're connected and making sure they know how to access the help that we're offering. You know, in the county, not only do we have hotspots and whatnot, but we have tech support vans lined up at several of our high schools so that when our families are experiencing problems with internet connection, they can go, or if something's wrong with the computer, they still have the ability to go and get help because they, you don't want them to feel like they're on their own to kind of navigate through those things because it's really important that our kids have access to those tools to be able to continue to learn and continue to feel connected with our teachers and our school. Ashton, how about you? How has your role changed recently? So when I'm at school, I tell our students on my caseload to think think of me as one of their realist friends in the sense that I'm going to support them wholeheartedly and advocate for them, but I will also help get them in shape when they need to <laughs> potentially reflect or maybe redirect. It's been very hard not being able to be with them. You know, a big part of being able to be that person for them is the relationship. And the relationship has been both something that's been a huge asset to me during this time, but I also feel is getting hurt Hmm. by not seeing them every day and having all of the opportunities for casual chit chat and just to get to know them. That's really kind of been the hardest part over the last couple of months. And, you know, we're, we have such a such a huge part of our job is reactive to student Mm -hmm. needs and things that come up on a day-to-day basis. And we're just not there. And we imagine things that are going on in home at home, but unless they're talking to us, we really, we don't have a crystal ball to see what's going on. So it's switched to becoming more proactive. So how can we really focus on sort of resiliency right now and building those things up to help kind of get them through so that then we can respond more so when we're back to school, when we know what we're actually working with. Hmm. Carmen, how about you? How has your role changed? Well, while when we were in school, of course, we conducted groups uh, centered around study skills, conflict resolution, and self-care. Since we've been out, we have more or less still been trying to focus on those areas in terms of, let's say, the homework. We have put together monitoring teams to help um, support the students. We give them calls while they're working online. If we feel that, if we see that they're not progressing, mm-hmm. they'll get a call from one of the teachers on the monitoring team to encourage them and motivate them to move on. Mm-hmm. And we have a monitoring team for grades 9, 10, and 11. Now, while I'm high school, we have not reached out in terms of providing mental health counseling via Zoom, but I'm happy to say that our elementary school counselors have uh, provided some uh, videos and Zooms for our elementary students. Mm-hmm. But from the high school perspective, we have been supporting our students from the academic side of trying to continue that learning and not having so much of a gap while we are out for this pandemic. Mm. So my, my role has continued, but just from the, from the perspective of being on Zoom uh, daily and calling these students. Mm. Um, we even had a senior class meeting and, and that was actually interesting 
because the students were so excited about seeing us all, even though they're still talking to many of the teachers. But mm. to actually have that face-to-face -face on Zoom was nice. Yeah, it's like what Ashton was saying. I mean, the relationship piece is so important. And this is definitely the time of year academically where you're trying to make sure students are where they need to be so they can finish the year strong. Matt, how about from an elementary perspective? Well, you know, as school counselors, we are mental health professionals who are there on a daily basis. And in my school, I'm the only mental health professional who's there every day. You know, we have a school social worker and psychologist, but they're not there on a daily basis because they're split between so many schools. I know that's that's the case really in most schools across Virginia. And the challenge for us as school counselors right now is how do we support our students on a regular basis in nourishing and cultivating healthy and positive mental health during an unprecedented global health crisis? Hmm. And this is certainly my first pandemic that I am, you know, an adult through. Uh, I think it's uh, everybody's. And for us to figure out how to connect with our kids and stay connected with our kids and help keep them supported and help keep that floor as high as we can for those students during this time, it is just a challenge. And I don't think it's something that any of us are going to be able to do perfectly. And it's just going to take continuing to try to be as creative as we can to continue to do our job, which is just supporting students. And so the way it's changed is just really on a daily basis. I'm doing things that I wouldn't have guessed I would be doing four months ago. And so yeah. everything's changed and things are, I think, going to continue to change. And, you know, Matt, to piggyback off of what you just said, when the pandemic started, my main focus was how do we continue with the educational piece? But as I think now about how do we move towards the next school year, I am thinking more on the side of the mental health mm. and what am I going to put in place and what type of um, lessons can I provide and, and groups and individual counseling? Mm. So what is that mental health going to look like now in terms of trying to take care of our students? Because here again, I've been guilty of trying to, first of all, making sure the supports are in place for the food technology, which is what our school district did. And again, thinking about the mental health, but if I can deal with the, the hierarchy of the food and the clothing mm -hmm. and the tech, technology and with us talking to them on a daily basis, hopefully I am having some impact on their mental health. But I'm, as I complete this, the academic side, because we're trying to get our seniors graduated, they have to complete so many classes. So as we move away from the support side, I am starting to ask myself, what is the mental health going to look like in the fall and how we're going to put support and provide for that. Right. That's such an important question. And um, I mean, some of that comes down to anticipating what kinds of mental health needs students have right now, and what they're going to need in the future. Matt, what are your thoughts about that? What are the prominent social and emotional needs of your students in the time of COVID? Well, you know, as, as human beings, we are neurologically hardwired for connection, right? We, we know that about us. We, we need other people. And we need to be around other people. And right now, in this moment, even the adults who have the most social emotional skills are having a hard time because this is an inherently difficult situation. Mm -hmm. And that's been my message to a lot of parents. And I've had a couple of virtual parent support groups 
and we've met. And, you know, as a parent, it, you want to make sure you're doing everything you can to get through this yourself and as a family and also make sure that your, your kid isn't struggling and that you're able to support them. And how do you make this as positive an experience as possible? And the tough thing is you can't make this a positive experience. You can certainly provide support so that your children feel guided and comforted and safe, but there's also going to be inherent difficulty right now. Mm-hmm. And so the social emotional needs, one piece is how do you just provide some psychological safety? And mm-hmm. the first piece is having conversations with kids of all ages so that they understand some semblance of what is going on. And a part of that is just sticking to the facts and being honest and uh, making space for having open conversations so your child can ask questions. So it doesn't feel like there's just this fear that is just right above them and there's just this anxiety of uncertainty. Just getting some space to explore that and to, to build in then some routine, which is one of the first things I built in with some of my parents for their kids. Because as we know, as human beings, we need routine. Otherwise, we can start to feel anxious and kids aren't in school. Um, so how do we build in routines at home with families so that they can have that just basic sense of psychological safety where things so, aren't so uncertain? But then from there, once we reach this point of building in some routine and making space for exploring questions and giving explanations, we have some basic social emotional needs like connecting with other people. And how do we explore that? And we've got to keep our eyes on guidelines so that we can figure out, um, are there ways that we can connect our kids with other kids? How do we do that virtually? How do we spend time with our kids? And then the other piece is just the anxiety of the situation and information. So the final piece I really want to talk about is engaging with information and news media. Because so many of us right now as adults, we need to stay updated with that. But the question is, are we also building in time where we are not engaged with that? And are we making sure that we're building time to cultivate calm and to cultivate (laughs) presence with ourselves and with our children? And if we're not making that part of our routine, we're going to need to. So that's a little bit of my wayward answer on (laughs) needs of our students right now, David. Sure. Tammy, how does that compare to what your students have needed at Cuyahocasin? I have to say that even though we're middle school level, I agree with a lot of the things that Matt was saying. Uh, you know, middle school kids are just social beings. That's, that's pretty much their makeup. And so that whole connection piece is just huge for so many of them. I mean, I have a lot of students who um, are only children, so they truly are on their own at home right now. Um, I've even had kids message me and say, I swear, I just want to go back to school. And I know that you've never thought that I would say that, but it's all just about going and being able to be with their friends and just feel, you know, somewhat normal again. So um, they're, they're having a hard time coping with that. So I would just say basic coping skills in general are things that we're going to have to continue to shift and kind of move with our kids and be patient with them on these things. Managing stress. Our kids are getting really overwhelmed. You know, we have a combination of kids that are taking middle school courses, plus taking high school courses. And right now, you know, we're finished essentially with the content for the middle school courses. Everything we're putting out there is just review. But with our students that are taking high school courses, they have to complete new content and they have to continue to do it through June the 12th. And so I get a lot of questions from kids that are all confused about it because they're just, they're not thinking clearly. And they ask the same questions every day. What do I absolutely have to do? It's all about what do I have to do? Because it's Mm. all about 
figuring out what do I have capacity to really do right now? So, you know, we're putting lots of supports and things out there to kind of help them manage these things. But, you know, it's just how much can your brain process in, in one day and how much as a, as a young person can you really do? So I think building ways for them to stay connected, I think is our primary focus right now, just to kind of make them feel like they're not alone. It's creating lots of depression. Kids are feeling depressed. You know, we have lots of challenges with mental health in our building anyway, just at this level. I can only imagine how those things are going to be compounded by the time we get back to school, mm. not just because of what they're already dealing with, but just because of all the challenges the families are, are experiencing right now too that are you know, trickling down to the kids. There's so much in terms of what we're going to need to be prepared for. The other thing we're trying to do right now, because we're feeling it with our kids, is we're trying to give them distractions. You know, we're trying to put fun things out there for them to do that, you know, that they don't really have to think a lot about, you know, virtual field trips and things like, you know, just, Mm. we're going to have to continue to build things like that into our program just to kind of get them back and getting them back to a space where they feel safe. Hmm. Carmen, what have your uh, students at Armstrong needed? What we actually did, uh, we put in place tutoring for them. So for any of our students that were feeling overwhelmed with trying to get their homework or get their assignments done, especially for our seniors trying to get them graduated, so the students could actually go on our website and sign up for virtual tutoring. And so we had students take advantage of that uh, because we had parents saying, I can't assist my child with their homework and their assignments. And so we made our parents feel comfortable and we assured them that only thing you need to do is make sure your child has a place to sit, a well-lit place to sit. You've got a Chromebook, you've got a hotspot, and we're gonna provide the resources in terms of supports for the tutoring. Mm -hmm. Those students signed up, they can have blocks of time where the tutors would contact them and actually work with them online with math problems, history, English, etc. So when this pandemic hit, I was very happy and proud to see that my school district went straight in to triaging and making sure they had food in place, um, technology in place. We know our students are going to need tutoring because our parents are going to need that support. Thinking about what Tammy was just saying about student motivation being a bit of a challenge right now, like if you can't connect with each other, Socially, that has some implications for how motivated you're going to be to do your schoolwork. I'm wondering if you're seeing some of that with your students right now, too, or it's like it's hard to stay academically motivated while they're away from school. Yeah, we do have a few uh, students that have had a challenge with staying motivated, and that's where our monitoring teams have come into play where they're actually making these phone calls to these students. I know I call three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to my seniors. Hmm. And I will say to them, I, I've just gone up on your, your site and I see that you're not having any movement with this math class or this English class. I, I need you to get going. What can I do to help you? Anything you need to talk about? Ashton, what does this look like for your students at Goochland High School? We, our students definitely are feeling anxious, more so anxious at the beginning. Then it sort of moved into a bit of grief. Fortunately, we've been lucky and it has not been reported to us a huge number of families who have directly been impacted by COVID that are at school, but there has been some element of grief just in general about the situation and for some of our families, but the students started getting angry, Hmm. especially our seniors, you know, they... When it was two weeks, they thought 
awesome. Then we go to spring break. This is great. And now, you know, then there was a period where they were really angry. Hmm. Our seniors wanted prom. Our seniors didn't realize that when they left that Friday afternoon, that would be the last time they'd walk through their high school. Yeah. They want to graduate. They want to hang out. They wanted to do, they started their school year. The first day of school, they met at sunrise in the parking lot to start the year together. And they were going to stay at sunset on the last day. Hmm. And so they're really sad. So we've, we've tried to build those events back in as best we can. Hmm. We've done, you know, a virtual award ceremony, virtual senior signing days, those kinds of things. So there's a lot of sadness and just, you know, the other kids are sad too because they've lost sports seasons and they've lost time with their friends. So that's been hard. And there's also through that, there's been a lack of motivation as well. Mm -hmm. Some of them were real savvy and read some of the waivers that came out for high school students and you know, understanding how our grading policies are going to be, which is great. I mean, our students are getting things done and our families are wonderful, but it all plays a role into their emotional well-being and how they're approaching things. Mm. Another big issue that we've had to face is a lot of our families have, the adults and a lot of our families have lost jobs. Mm. So I have a lot of students emailing me that, you know, they might work at Food Lion and be considered essential. So they've gone from part-time to full-time. Hmm. and have all of their schoolwork and how are you going to tell a kid that when they already have that pressure of helping support a family yeah not to focus on their schoolwork Hmm. but that's always a strange sentence to utter to a student (laughs) Um, so it's really kind of about finding that balance and connection as well I mean we I've been doing these silly little videos um, for my kids every week. And I try <laughs> and feature kids in them and interview kids and just record my Google Hangouts. And so kids can hear what other kids are up to. Mm. So at least they're a little bit connected, you know, with social media, I know they're all still chatting and Snapchatting and Instagramming <laughs> and doing all those things, but it's not at school. Right. And it's like what Matt was saying before, it's just not the same as a real human connection to to do that sort of thing. And I know that that was true for my college students that I teach too, just their, their obligations changed. Either they were having to start working because their parent got laid off or my parents having to, to work an essential job and I'm having to take care of younger siblings all of a sudden. So all of those things tend to compound. And, and Ashton, you were just talking about some strategies that you guys have been kind of trying to implement in Goochland. Uh, Tammy, what, what have you found to be some strategies that have been effective for remotely supporting the, the mental health of your students during this time? We use Schoology as our online platform that we use. Um, it'll, it, teachers use it. We use it. Um, we actually created a course for school counselors, and so mm. we have all of our students on that course. And we can run activities through there. We can post uh, resources for them to use at their leisure. We even post little assignments that aren't, you know, required, but they're things that they can go in and do, and they're interactive, you know, tools that allow us to assess um, how they're feeling it, see what's going on. But it kind of lets us take a pulse on who needs real support. We definitely keep track of our regulars and, you know, not just with the kids themselves, but also reaching out to families to make sure that they feel supported in supporting their kids because parents have a really big job right now. Mm. Um, I I can't even imagine what so many of our parents are feeling, but, you know, we feel the need to kind of support them through that too, because they're right there with their kids every day. Mm. We try to provide inspirational messages. We try to provide um, tools to help them manage stress and just simple things to kind of help them work through and just things to 
try to keep them motivated and connected. We use Padlet a lot as a, as a way to provide a question that they all can respond to. We did a virtual field trip day one day and we had them going all kinds of places. And I, and I asked them, you know, if you could go anywhere, where would you go? It was amazing the number of kids that said, you know what, I just want to go to school. Hmm. Um, and I was thinking, wow. how sad is that? You know, how sad is that? Because we're all feeling the same way. And uh, it's just, it's nice to keep them connected. They can message with each other that way. They can comment. We can kind of see what's going on. And yeah, just trying to engage them and making them feel connected with each other. But, you know, again, it's all about whether they're going to get on there and engage. And a lot of them do. And yes, we get really excited when we get kids that complete assignments and they are, they're messaging, you know, my, my colleagues and our are texting each other every day. Like, I think five kids did this today. I think 15 kids. So yeah, we get excited about those things. Um, some of our teachers have invited us to attend their Zoom meetings with the kids so we can get on there and help support them through that. And it's fun to see them when we can see them. Unfortunately, on our laptops, the cameras are not um, enabled. So the only way we can actually see their faces is if they're on a phone or something else. But, mm. um, but we can hear them and they can hear us. And you know, a lot of them are regulars. They'll go on there all the time and it's just, they just want to feel that connection and they just, they miss us and they miss being at school. Yeah. How often are students engaging with those online resources that you've been providing? All hours of the day. Some of them will do it at night. Some of them will do it, you know, all during the school day. You know, some of them are still working on schoolwork. It just depends. I'll wake up every morning and I'll see little posts and messages (laughs) and, and whatnot. And it's fun. I mean, it's just all the time. You know, we have the we have the apps on our phones too, too, so we can see things coming through. And yeah, they have questions. Middle school kids will ask questions about everything under the sun. We answer questions about everything. You know, and I stretch and try to answer everything I possibly uh. can. But you know, just they just they feel comfortable asking us things, and mm. I'm glad that they're doing that. Yeah, Ashton, what kinds of strategies have been you've been using at Goochland? So I've been doing my videos. If I'm being honest, I'm sure they're not really watching them, but it's a. <laughs> I mean, they're probably watching them a little bit, but it's more a, re- a reminder to them that I'm there. That yeah. was my reasoning for starting it. So I post those twice a week. They're called Mindful Minutes, and mm. sometimes it's interviewing a kid about how they've been working on maintaining their mental health during. COVID. So they're just kind of, they run the gamut of different topics. I also do guided meditations during some of them. They're Mm. relatively brief. I've also did a COVID support group for students and staff. Mm. I typically wouldn't have included staff in a group, but I think it brought a really nice dynamic. It was more of an unstructured group anyways, because it was about sort of meeting whatever needs they had in regards to feeling anxious or how to take care of themselves, create a routine but also the connection piece and the normalizing piece that it's not just teenagers that are having a hard time with this. We're here. You look up to us and we're also having a hard time. So let's be open about it. So that's been really great. We've also been really relying on those relationships that we've already established Hmm. to carry us through a lot of this time. I simply email my kids Hmm. and message them and message them again if they don't respond (laughs) to me and then say, Hey, this is my third time emailing you. You haven't responded. Now I'm worried. Will you at Mm -hmm. least let me know that you're all right? Mm -hmm. And most of the times it doesn't get that far. Just actually reaching out to them. When we first closed as a department, we all reflected on our caseload and thought of our frequent flyers and the kids that quite honestly, we were worried about not being able to see every day because we know what's going on at home or what we suspect might be going on at home. 
we know some of the struggles that they're facing and it's scary to say, okay, see you in August, maybe. Mm. We've been reaching out to those kids. I've had to make CPS calls while Mm. I've been gone and that's Mm. been a really interesting thing to navigate, the one-on-one exchange. So that's, I just have to initiate the contact a lot of the times. I'll get a lot of emails that I haven't initiated, but they're more of the questions or, hey, just wanted to see how you're doing. I miss school. But a lot of the counseling work that I've done, I've had to initiate. The the potential for abuse has definitely been a a prominent concern that I've heard from people because even a student who was in an abusive household, at least before was able to be in school for seven hours of the day. And now it's, you know, it's a, a, a time with heightened stress and you're in that environment all the time. I imagine it's, it's hard to be reactive to that, like you were talking about earlier, Ashton. Absolutely. And they have adults in their lives that they see during those seven hours who are mandated reporters. Yeah. So, you know, I don't want to get too far into the next question, but <laughs> I see that as a, you know, a big thing when we come back. Yeah. Um, Carmen, what have you found to be effective with working with your students and Armstrong? I would still say, and I've already kind of touched on it, just staying in contact with them. And and as Ashton mentioned, the frequent flyers, I've been in contact with the school social worker, school psychologist. Hmm. And when we first went out, we talked about those students that we would need to check on and be in contact with. Hmm. So uh, I would say the collaboration between school psychologists, social worker, and the school counselors. We've been able to check on our students and see where they are, what space they're in mentally. We, we have quite a bit of collaboration. I'm, I'm very pleased and very fortunate to be a part of that staff and the team that I work with. Matt, what has been effective in working with your elementary school students? The base level thing is just maintaining connection, like everyone's been saying. So one of the things I've done is I have a a weekly mindful morning meeting every Monday morning on our Facebook Live that kids and families can tune into. You know, it started with like 150 families were watching, and now I think I have like 12 people who are (laughs) checking in each week still. But, you know, I think like Ashton mentioned, just the reminder that, you know, I'm here, I care about you, I'm reaching out, I'm here if you want to come check in and I will consistently keep showing up here. I think that speaks volumes, even if nobody does check in. Um, The other piece with maintaining connection is our teachers have just been incredible with virtual learning and seeing, laying eyes on kids through, you know, Google Meet or Zoom or talking with kids and maintaining that connection, which is a huge piece, just helping kids know that they are a part of that bigger school community. And just because you're not walking in our hallways does not mean that we are not with you. Mm -hmm. Um, And then from there, my frequent flyers, the kids I was seeing uh, regularly, those were ones, you know, immediately that I wanted to make sure I, I checked in on and checked with those parents. And so I'm, I have quite a few kids I'm seeing over FaceTime or over the phone and have some counseling sessions for about, you know, 15 minutes, which is about as much attention span as a kid can hold over a phone. <laughs> and we'll do all sorts of different activities and I'll give them different homeworks. I'm a mindfulness-based counselor. And so I, I use mm-hmm. Insight Timer as a mindfulness meditation app and I'll give kids homework and whatnot on there. It's really similar to Calm or Headspace. Mm. So those have been really helpful as well as the Mood Meter app. Uh, The other piece is, you know, in elementary is supporting parents Mm -hmm. uh, because a big piece of kids' mental health in the elementary level is what kind of routine and what's their day look like based on what the parent is creating. So I've had a 
several virtual parent support groups. And right away, the first couple things we did was just putting out some some helpful things and helpful tools for parents for navigating, setting up routine and having conversations with kids. We also have a, a YouTube page that we made, Hanover County Elementary Counselors, because that's one of the resources, as we know, that kids today um, navigate on an almost daily basis if they have internet. And so we wanted to get access to them of a whole bunch of social, emotional, mental health related content. So we now have an HCPS elementary counselor YouTube page. Hmm. The other piece, like Ashton mentioned, of just thinking about our students who are in difficult home situations where there is potential neglect or abuse. Hmm. Uh, And as counselors, we have those kids who we have such contact with that we know we want to check in with somehow. And so I and some of our teachers have done some home checks of just checking in on students to lay eyes on them and just to check in, which, you know, at the elementary level is really the level we have to go to because um, we can't necessarily reach kids to check in on how their relationship is going with their parents unless it's really in person. Yeah. I I mean, all these strategies are so helpful considering how just sort of generally stressful things are right now for students. But I think also considering how like how overall ambiguous things are right now, like there's so much that we don't know that's on the horizon. And it's definitely a mantra of school counseling that just being with somebody is an intervention. So what you're talking about, like just reaching out to say, like, I'm there for you if you need me, just knowing that someone's out there must be helpful. And I mean, speaking of that ambiguity, at some point we're going to return to school. We don't know when. Um, but at some point we're going to be back in school buildings. But even in the fall, if it's possible that we're going to have students that are re-engaging remotely, Ashton, what do you think our students are going to need when they return to school? Trauma-informed care and practices. I think that, to quote you, the ambiguity of what's going on at home, I like to think that nothing bad is happening. But I do know, you know, situations that are hard for families and relationships that are difficult and things do happen, unfortunately. So, you know, coming back to school and utilizing those trauma-informed practices, but also the trauma, you know, aside from abuse or things like that, that we're worried about that may have happened while kids are gone to different degrees, this whole experience has been traumatic for a lot of our students. Right. So understanding too, what our students need to come back to school to feel comfortable. What does that look like logistically? You know, if those kids want to wear masks, but other kids don't, how we navigate all of that. So to really work on kind of creating an environment where they still feel safe because it wasn't safe to come to school. That's why we did all this. So now it is. So reminding them that it's still safe. Also rebuilding those relationships. Mm -hmm. We've done our best to maintain them, but time apart is time apart. That's different now. Back over the summer too, just kind of catching up with kids. So really working to rebuild those relationships and some of them may be harder to rebuild given what they may have experienced during the time that they were out. You know, there may be some grief counseling, whether they've experienced loss or if it's just the loss of time that they're feeling grief over, the loss of their academic seasons, time with their friends, the fleeting period in their life of being a teenager. Hmm. There's going to be some grief counseling as well as anxiety and how to manage those things. But I mean, I really think what we'll need to focus on is building those relationships back up making sure that our school climate is positive and supportive and just figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have a bunch of freshmen that you haven't met yet that you're building relationships with in the fall. I think to myself how fortunate we are that 
our high schoolers almost exclusively come from Goochland Middle School, which mm -hmm. is in the same building, because I couldn't imagine being an eighth grader going to a high school with kids from a whole bunch of different middle schools that I've never been in, being the littlest kid at the school. Sure. Transitions are hard enough. Absolutely. It's just going to be a lot of support, in addition to the academic supports that they're going to need as well, switching back into routine. I mean, there's kids with behavior issues that that transition is going to be hard for as well. Right, right. And the point about trauma is really important. We were talking about this on a, a previous episode that if, if trauma is measured by averse childhood experiences, everybody's had an averse childhood experience at this point because of how we've had to navigate COVID. Um, Matt, what are your elementary school students going to need when we get back? I think this is a, going to be a huge call to action to us as schools and as educators. You know, we talk a lot about social emotional learning and mental health, but here we are, we're going through a pandemic and we're going through a collective trauma. Mm. I mean, that's, that's what this is. It's a, it's a huge collective trauma made up of all kinds of different traumas. And we're going to need to have conversations with our staff and professional learning with our staff to make sure one, that they have tools to make sure that they feel supported and that they can deal with some of these difficult feelings that have come from this difficult experience. And also, how do we give our staff more tools to meet the needs of our students, with, which now means coming with a more trauma-informed approach? Mm -hmm. And what does that look like? And what does that mean? And that means that as schools, it's time for us to really step up and make sure that we all agree that emotions in our students' emotional lives is not just the role of the school counselor. It's every adult that is in that building. As a school, it's, it's our job to make sure that we are meeting those emotional needs of our kids. And we're, walk, we're coming into the doors whenever that is and how, whatever that looks like. We are all going to be walking in with some grief that we're still carrying from the past school year, some anxiety from all this uncertainty that has hit, some anxiety from whatever things are looking like then, plus all of this unprocessed trauma. Um, no matter how emotionally intelligent we are. So not just what are we going to be doing over the summer to prepare for that, but what are we going to change systemically in our day-to-day -to, -day to create space for emotions mm. so that we can start to process some of this and have some collective healing as a school community. And I think those are some serious conversations that we need to make sure that we're having. And in our previous conversations with teachers, we've been hearing a lot of the same things about the first thing is just making sure that our students are okay, so that there's a lot of buy-in kind of across the board that the role of every adult in the school is to make sure that their students are okay. Tammy, what are your Kwiatkwesan students going to need? Yeah, I mean, I would echo a lot of the things that have already been said. I think the, the phrase, we've got a Maslow before we bloom. Um, couldn't apply any better than at this point. Um, our kids are going to need a lot of patience from us, as they often do anyway. Middle school <laughs> students just kind of require that on the regular. Um, but they're going to be so over, all over the place. I can only imagine. You know, when they return from a winter break of two weeks, they forget their locker combination. So I can only <laughs> imagine what they're going to forget over these you know, returning from this time out is going to be just a whole different level of returning from summer vacation. So we know that there are going to be so many things we're going to have to reteach and we're going to have to be patient with them through that. And I couldn't agree more that we're going to have to collectively meet these needs. We can't do it just as school counselors. We're three school counselors supporting 1,180 students. Right. So we're definitely going to need to collaborate with our teachers. And we're really going to make sure that we put that social emotional learning on the forefront. We can't have them be successful academically if we're not making sure they're okay mentally. And I, and I feel like as a staff, 
no one's going to question that now. Yeah. Um, I don't think we're going to have any problem getting into classrooms. I mean, not that we ever have, but I just feel like they're going to, they're going to buy into it because I think they're even worried about how are we going to articulate this and how are we going to get through this? Mm-hmm. Um, there are going to be lots of fears and anxiety with kids about coming back together as a big group. I mean, talk about, you know, listening to the media and social media and whatnot. I mean, this is what our kids are doing all the time. So God only knows what they're believing at this point and what they're afraid of and coming back together. So we're going to have to really do our best to have courageous conversations with kids, reassuring them mm-hmm. and kind of moving through it. But definitely with a, with a trauma informed lens, no doubt. It, it'll be interesting to see exactly what kinds of things have transpired in families by the time they return that has, have just added to the plates of our kids right. and how they're going to be affected by that. Yeah. And Carmen, I saw you nodding whenever Tammy mentioned about being patient with our students when they come back. <laughs> what do you think of uh, Armstrong? It, it was almost as if Tammy had been reading my notes. Patience <laughs> was my operative word there. And I, I stated that the adults were going to have to have patience with the students once they returned. And I mean, all the adults from our, our, let's see, our bus drivers, our custodial workers, teachers, all of the adults are going to have to have patience with these students. We've got to get them back to uh, a point where they're in school feeling safe. Also, the routine that was already mentioned. Uh, Many of our students have not been on a routine. For my seniors in particular, a lot of them have had to go to work full time because their parents were laid off. And so they were working, they worked, say, McDonald's, uh, Chick-fil-A. So they're getting all those hours in because those places are still open. Mm-hmm. And so when I call them to say, why aren't you doing your assignment? Well, I'm working. Well, I, I haven't done it because I'm still working. I've got to help my parents out. So getting these kids back into a routine of schools seven hours a day mm-hmm. when they've only been used to maybe working three hours online and working 10 hours or eight hours on the job. So that, that's going to be a real big piece, especially for my population of students and my senior juniors that, that have these jobs, just getting them back into the routine of seven hours in school, adults needing to be patient, and then assuring everybody that we're safe. Yeah. And thank goodness we have school counselors to help support the transition when we come back together in any form. Um, And we are going to need to leave that there for now. But if you want to stay up to date with research, resources, and profiles of best practices in the time of COVID, you can check out the Merck website at merck.soe.vcu.edu slash projects. That's M-E-R-C.soe.vcu.edu slash projects. Uh, Our goal is to make our website a clearinghouse of relevant information as we navigate our new reality together. And your contributions are critical to that effort. So please share your recommendations uh, for resources that you have found helpful, as well as educators who you know are innovating in distance learning um, and meeting the student, the the social emotional needs of students in the time of COVID. Uh, Thanks as always to the VC School of Education for supporting the work that we do at Merck. And to all of our member school divisions, Chesterfield, Goochland, Hanover, Henrico, Petersburg, Powhatan, and Richmond Public Schools. Uh, my thanks to Matt Schenker, Carmen Ward, Ashton Guza, and Tammy Mazell for joining me today to discuss students' social, emotional, and mental health needs during COVID-19. Finally, thanks to you at home for listening. We hope that you and all who are important to you are well. This has been another episode of Abstract, the podcast of the Metropolitan Educational Research Consortium at Virginia Commonwealth University, where we explore issues and ideas in public PK-12 education. Let's talk again soon.